0: Shall we bow our hearts in a word of prayer? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for this beautiful Sunday morning. And we thank Thee for this opportunity to lay down our weekly and earthly troubles and trials and work and come here and spend some time around the living Word of God. We thank Thee for this Word. We thank Thee that God has given us that understanding and that frame of mind where we realize this is a good place to be, a good place to spend time, a good place to relax and soak up this word. We ask that our speaking brother this morning could be given words. Be given understanding of some of the depths of this deep, deep word. Some of the mysteries of salvation that we can hang on to this. And as the songwriter writes, that we don't stand on this sinking sand the song speaks about. But we stand on that solid rock, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Watch over all those that can't gather this morning for one reason or another. Watch over all thy children, the world over. Watch over those that believe and watch over those that will believe. Bring them into faith. Bring them into an understanding of the importance of salvation. Be with our leaders and our rulers this world is a confusing place these days in that way watch over all those that are in leadership positions give them that understanding that it is thy hand and thy will that has put them there for one reason or another and hear us as we pray together that prayer thy son Jesus taught us our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name
1: May we be greeted with greetings of grace and mercy and peace from God, our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For a text this morning, we'll turn to the book of Genesis, to the fourth chapter, reading a story that I'm sure many of us have heard right from Sunday school. I will read, starting at the first verse, through about, I think, the 11th, reading in Jesus' name. And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and his offering he had no respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou dost well, thou shalt not be, shalt thou not be accepted, and if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother. And it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper?' And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood at thy hand. Amen. This story takes place in, in the context of the Bible very soon after Adam and Eve fell into sin in the garden of eden and we see that as we are told in the bible that that sinful nature has been passed down and it was passed to those immediate children of adam and eve and it has been passed down even to us and it is unfortunately just what we are <clears throat> this account here it's interesting and this maybe has nothing to do with what we read here but it's an interesting thing and and i believe that i have probably mentioned this before but it tells us that We are to know Christ, and he is to know us as children of God. And here it says, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. And I guess it is the only thing that gives me in my human mind an understanding, the ability to understand how close and intimate relationship it is that Christ desires to have with us. It it isn't something that is casual, although we see that that type of a relationship in this world, there is, I guess if you say, a great push to try to make it seem casual. It's something that can just be done in passing. And yet, we understand that no matter how people try to portray it that way, it it isn't possible. It causes a bond to be formed. And Christ desires that there would be that closest of relationships that we would have with him. We are told that we are the bride of Christ. It is something that it is to be of the most importance that we would have that. And it is something I can read and I read actually this week in, I believe it's the 55th chapter of Isaiah. <clears throat> This is God speaking, and he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, saith the Lord. For as heaven as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And there we see how much above our reasoning, above our abilities, God is. And there is so many things that In the Bible, I believe that there's many different ways that God uses to describe even himself or our relationship to him or what it is that he would desire, that we would believe that he has done for us. And he uses direct, I say direct statements, he uses analogies, he uses examples that we can understand naturally And they are all speaking of the same thing. And I pray that we would, through the Spirit, be given the understanding of how it is that we are a servant of God, and yet we are known as priests and kings, and all at the same time. And yet as Christians we see that, that as we walk through this life, we have this natural flesh that is with us. And yes, God cares for that. So much so that he tells us that just worry about seeking the kingdom of heaven and I will handle all those natural things that you need. And yet we are told to work diligently at what it is that we do here in this life. And all those things, it's almost complex beyond our reasoning, or perhaps it is complex beyond our reasoning, but it is how it is. And I believe that that is why we need to be prayerful and that we would have ears and hearts that are attentive to the guiding of that spirit of God, because it knows, God knows, it knows what we are to face and and God prepares us. Oftentimes, when the time comes for what we're being prepared for, we don't really feel prepared for it. But he knows. We see here that Adam and Eve, and they had a son, and his name was Abel, or sorry, Cain. And I think spiritually, as we look at this picture here, And I believe that this is given to us as a spiritual example. Yes, it was a natural happening. And I think that is something as Christians that it is very good to remember that this story of um, creation that is told us at the beginning of the Bible here and these people that it mentions, Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and on down, They were actual people. They they were, I say, as real as we are. They aren't just some myth or some fabrication that someone came up with to try and make a good story. This is actual happenings. And we see how it is that these accounts in the Bible, because they are actual happenings, They are examples to us that we can take, and we can take what happens to heart. And it gives us a picture of how we should walk, or maybe how we shouldn't walk in this natural world. But it also is examples to how it is that God works with our spirit, and how the spirit of God works in our hearts, in this world that we live in, We see here that there is a story of two sons being born and I believe that it is a picture of how it is that there is a natural life and there is a spiritual life. And it says the first man, Adam, was a living being and the second man, Adam, a living soul. There is that soul that is around forever. And that is what is most important. <clears throat> it says that Abel was a keeper of sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. We read in. I believe it's in Hebrews. <coughs> where it tells us. And, and encourages us as Christians that we would rest in the Lord <clears throat> it says let us therefore fear lest a promise of being left us of entering into his rest any of you should seem to come short of us for we which have believed do enter into rest <laughs> our human nature, which I believe that Cain is a picture here of. It wants to do something. It says Cain was a tiller of the ground. And we can look at the picture of, or I mean of the, the parable of the prodigal son. And he goes and we know that he wastes his, what he had gotten from his father it wastes it and says in riotous living, and then, when he runs out of money, he gets a job with a one of the residents of the land where he lives, and he says that he feeds sheep or sorry, he feeds swine, and it says that he would desire to eat of the husk the swine did eat. He is busy doing something, and he 's taking. And we understand when you have grain, that there's the grain that is of use, and there's a, a husk or a hull that covers it, that it doesn't give any real sustenance, especially to people. I believe that he was also busy. And he was trying to work and accomplish something. And, and what it was accomplishing was perhaps good works and he would have desired to have been found something that fed his soul from those things that he was feeding those other people but he couldn't find that because the sustenance for the soul it isn't come or it doesn't come from things that our flesh can do it doesn't come from earthly good works we can live A most wonderful moral life. And we can help others. Even Paul in Corinthians when he speaks of charity. He puts it rather clearly. We see all these good things that he can do. It says, If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity... I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. We can do many wonderful things, and we can look very good to the world around us. But if we do not have Christ, it is of no value to our souls. And it doesn't bring, provide food for that undying portion. It can perhaps make our ego feel good. It can make us look good in the eyes of others. And it isn't anything wrong with doing those things. And there's nothing wrong with that we would walk, that others would see a good example. But it is of very secondary importance compared to what God would think of our walk. And I believe that when this is saying here, that Cain was a tiller of the ground, I believe that that is what it is speaking of. He looked, he was doing something. He was very busy. And that is what our flesh desires. but Abel was a keeper of sheep. He was just looking after something that God provided, if I put it that way. And I think it is something that we can see, that the, as we look through this story and, and we know the outcome of it, and, and how it is that God looked favorably on one and not on the other, We see that simply caring for God's sheep, of which first and foremost we need to take care of our own salvation. We can't be someone who is living in unbelief and and, and, um, helping those who who believe. It doesn't work that way. It says that the husband must men must be first partaker of the fruit. Because then we know what it is that we are offering to others or encouraging others to believe. Because we have experienced it. God has blessed us with it. It says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering of the Lord. I believe that spiritually speaking it is Cain brought something that he had done and said look God what I have done. We read I believe I don't know if I can I get I can never remember whether it's near the end of Matthew or if it's in the Sermon on the Mount. But it it speaks of that time when Judgment Day that's in the 25th chapter of Matthew. It says, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, and as a shepherd divided his sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, and the goats on the left. And then shall a king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hunger, and he gave me meat; I was thirsty, and he gave me drink; I was a stranger, and he took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and he came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, or fed thee, or thirsty, or gave thee, and gave thee drink? And when saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, and in prison, and came unto thee? And the king answered, and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, insomuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And then there's the opposite to those who are on the left-hand side, which are the goats. It, It isn't that we do something, we just care about our fellow Christians and our fellow human beings. And it isn't necessarily, <clears throat> trying to find the other place, and I can't seem to turn to it, but it's where God says that all that say unto me, Lord, oh, here it is, <clears throat> it says not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. <clears throat> We see here that both Cain and Abel were bringing an offering to God. It wasn't that Cain didn't believe that there was a God. We read further down that it says the Lord spoke to him. It's an interesting thing and we see it in the world around us. There are there are many people who claim that there isn't any God, but there are those who claim to believe God and yet they don't believe him enough to follow what he says and it is and maybe I say it too often but there is a very huge difference between believing in God and believing God <clears throat> we can believe God and, and Maybe not even in a far-off, abstract way. But, we don't believe him. And when his word says that this is how things are, we want to circumvent that. Try to get around those things. And say, well, God, yeah, I believe him, but he really doesn't understand how times have changed. And, and so his word, like it's laid out here, it might have been good for those back in 2,000 years ago or 4,000 years ago in the Middle East, but it doesn't work for me here today. And, and God has to change somewhat to, to line up with what is needed. <clears throat> they don't believe it when it says, God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God hasn't changed. And unfortunately, human nature hasn't changed. And people were trying to get around what God said then, just as much as now. Cain, he believed God, but he brought things, what he had done. It says Abel also brought. And it's interesting how This is long before the law was given. And yet, what does Abel bring? Exactly what the law would tell us to do. It says that you are to bring the firstlings of your flock as an offering to God, and that's what Abel does. How is he able to do that? I believe that in Hebrews it tells us, gives us the answer. If we look at the faith chapter. It tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the evidence of things unseen. It says by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, By which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gift. And by it he being dead yet, yet speaketh. So we see it wasn't. In Abel's ability, it was because he did it by faith. And we could read through that whole chapter as it goes there and speaks of all those men that are recorded, well, not all of them, but those men that are recorded in the Bible, how what they did, yes, they did a natural thing, but they weren't doing it in their own strength. They were doing it by faith. And there we see the difference between Cain and Abel. Cain was doing something. He thought he was doing something for God. Abel, just by faith, brought the best. And we see here how it was that he took of his flock. And what was his flock? Sheep. And we can read And it points all the way through the Bible to that lamb that was slain for you and for me, which is Christ. And it tells of that blood. And that is what we have. The blood of Christ. As we get down there, it speaks of that blood of Abel speaking And we know the blood of Christ speaks a different story. And we are most fortunate as Christians to be able to believe that that blood of Christ speaks of forgiveness. Because none of us are any better than able. We are all just as human. We all have that same sinful nature. And we have those same tendencies to want to offer something that we have done to God instead of simply offering God the first fruits of the flock. That firstborn among many brethren of which we desire to be part of that group, which is Christ. And to say, God... What I have done is of no value, but your son has offered to stand in my place. I believe that. I put my faith in that. It is an offering that we see here in this story that God accepts. It is the only offering that is acceptable to God. And it causes problems. With the world around us, just as it did here with Cain and Abel, said the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and his offering He had no respect. Our human nature, it doesn't like the fact, and it causes. Anger and us to be upset that what we can accomplish in our humanness is of no value to God. We see that with Cain, it says he was very wroth. He was very angry that what he offered to God, he had worked, I'm sure, very hard at it. There's people that work very hard. At living a good and upright life. And I've talked to some of those people. They're like, I'm a good person. And oftentimes they are. In a natural sense of the word, they are good people. They perhaps have a a more morally upright walk. And they're better to their neighbors than lots of Christians perhaps but they are lacking what Abel offered to God that was acceptable and that God had respect to, which is what Christ has done. Because we read in James there, and he tells us that and it's a very high bar. He said, if we are guilty of one of the laws, we're guilty of the whole works. And we can't take that and say, well, I've done this, so I'm guilty of all these, so I might as well just do all them too, because human nature and our reasoning can go down that road too. God says, God forbid, or sorry, well, I guess God did, but Paul writes that. We don't want to fall into sin. We do, but we strive against doing that. And it isn't in our striving against doing it that saves us. It's in believing that when we fail, the blood of Christ covers it. And if we are struggling to believe that, we have the blessing that we can come, as it says, to that altar of mercy and confess our faults one to another and be assured that, yes, this word of God is true. And yes, those promises are sure. And that sin is forgiven. Why? Because Christ's blood covers it. And his name is powerful. It opens the gates of heaven to us. Through simply believing that. But it causes problems in our own flesh. But it also causes problems with those around us. Especially if they claim as Cain obviously did. To have a belief in God. Those people who have no claim of God, they might think that we're ridiculous, perhaps even stupid, but whatever, you're just somebody that is delusional. But if there's someone that believes in God and, and finds that their salvation is based upon how good they can be, I will guarantee it causes you, them anger towards a living Christian who simply walks by faith. And it isn't that we don't desire and want to do good things because it says that's what we were created for, is to do good works. But it is by the guiding of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes what God would desire and think that is good, it may not necessarily be what we think. So we need to be careful not to get into doing for ourselves but simply doing as the spirit and rest in that assurance that the spirit can guide us and pray for attentive ears and attentive hearts to hear the guiding of that spirit <clears throat> we see that it caused anger it says in his countenance fell and the Lord said unto Cain Why art thou wroth and why is thou countenance countenance fallen? God could see that there was a problem in Cain's heart. It showed in his face and his mannerisms. The interesting thing here is it isn't necessarily towards God. It's towards his brother. It's towards the one that was walking in freedom. It says, if thou dost well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door. It's how it is. We are encouraged over and over and over again. And I believe it's in that 55th chapter of Isaiah even is, is the one spot where it, it says, <clears throat> seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. We understand That we are living in a time of grace. God is still calling us to turn to him. He's calling all people to turn to him. Seek him while he may be found. He can be found now. God encourages Cain that he could do well. Not to be angry, but repent of that anger. Repent of what it is that he is putting his faith or in his trust in, if I put it that way. And offer what God gives, which is Christ. <clears throat> Don't offer of our good works. Offer. It says in James there that faith without works is dead. And I believe that oftentimes there's people that can quote that and turn that and twist that into something that is very dangerous. And yes, it gives an example that if there's somebody hungry and you just say go and be fed and don't give them something to eat, that it doesn't do them any good. And he says it's the same with us. That faith without works is dead. So what works is it that we can offer that are of value, that show that our faith is living faith and not dead? And I believe the only works that we can offer is the same thing that Abel offered here, which is what Christ has done. The work that Christ has done to accomplish our salvation, that is the work that we can offer. That is what we put our faith in and, and base it upon. That is of value. <clears throat> and I believe simply put that is what God is encouraging Cain to do. Is to repent of that good works. And he tells them that if that doesn't happen. There's sin lying at the door. It's that sin is right there. If you continue down this road of being angry with your brother It's going to cause you to fall into sin. He says, And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. I believe that this is just saying that you should overcome that. Your flesh desires to sin. All of our flesh desires to sin. But God would desire that we would get strength from him and overcome the sinful nature. It says that it must die daily. It isn't that we just subdue it. We're told that it must die daily. And how do we do that? Through Christ. Through faith. We're encouraged that shield of faith. Our faith stands or is there between what the devil would throw at us to protect us that we could walk says <clears throat> in Cain talked with Abel his brother, we see that God is good enough and kind enough to warn Cain as to what is going to happen and I think it is much the same with us we can look into this word of God and, and we can take where we're at and God says if you continue down this road there's going to be a problem the word would point that out to us or if you continue down this road it is going to bring blessings we remember the story of the children of Israel when they crossed into the promised land And part of them went on the one mountain and part of them went on the other mountain. And the one on the one side proclaimed the blessings that would come from being obedient to God. And the ones on the other side proclaimed the curses that would come from being disobedient to God. That is what this word does. It points us to the blessings of walking by faith and the problems or the curse that there is in walking in our own will. And still it says, Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. We see how it can be. This humanness that we have with us, it can destroy that undying portion If we give it the freedom to do so. We would desire and pray and. I guess put our faith that that spirit of God can overcome this flesh that that undying portion could live and could thrive. And this flesh would be subdued. Says the Lord said unto Cain God comes and I've heard something about this that I found quite interesting I heard a minister saying that he believed that even this is one of the examples of how God would have spoke to Cain through Abraham, or through Adam even and it was God speaking but using Adam's voice or Adam's lips if I put it that way I have no idea if that's the truth, but we know that God does work for our fellow Christians, and he can bring a message even even from a minister or from a friend, that he can speak to us. But we see here where Cain is at. God asks him, where is Abel your brother? God knew where Abel was. But he says, I I know not am I my brother's keeper we see how human nature had fallen so we know that it speaks of the devil as the father of all lies and yet our human nature has taken that up and, and we find that lying it's a human trait As Christians, it isn't what we are to do. Cain here, he says, I don't know where he is. And he said unto them, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And we understand. That the blood of Abel cried of vengeance. It, It is how it is. And yet, in Hebrews again it tells us about Christ. It says, And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, And to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than the blood of Abel.
2: We have
1: that blessing as Christians. That we understand what that blood of sprinkling is. It is that proclamation. It is that testimony that we have. That the blood of Christ covers sin. And we know it to be true because we've experienced that it covers my sin. And so we can testify in truthfulness to people that that blood of Christ will cover your sin also. Believe that. It doesn't speak of vengeance as the blood of Abel did. We see that in spite of all the good I'm speaking metaphorically, but all the good works that Cain had and that he had done and that he showed God how good a person I am. When he was told, and this is me just putting it in my terms, that that is of no value, you need what Christ has done. His only response was to try to kill that. It wasn't any different at the time of Christ. They came, and and what Jesus testified to those Pharisees, that what they were, how good they thought they were walking was of no value, and it caused them anger, and that they would kill him, and envy. And I'm sure Cain felt envious of Abel. Here he had worked so hard to produce this, and God took this little lamb that just was born and all Abel did was bring it to God. The whole matter of salvation is not something that we can reason out because it makes so much sense to natural reasoning. It doesn't. We have to look at it through the eyes of faith. (coughs) And by faith trust that what God says is true, and believe God it says, And now thou art cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. And I didn't read this verse, but the next one says, And when thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. I believe that God was making it very clear to Cain that no amount of working the ground, of trying to work his way to heaven was going to accomplish anything. It is not going to happen. And I believe that it should be our prayer perhaps that those who think that they are doing something that would Work their way to heaven, that they could come to that place of realizing that it is of no use. And if they come to that place of realizing that it is no use, they would not be left there in a place of despair, but could find that there's Christ. Christ has already accomplished the work, and we are to rest in that, and trust in that, put our faith in that, And walk in freedom in that knowledge. And that blood of Christ doesn't speak of vengeance. It speaks of forgiveness and redemption. And salvation. Let us put our faith in that. Our trust and our hope in that. And walk in the freedom that comes with that. There is no end of bondage and do's and don'ts if we try to accomplish salvation through what we're going to do or how good we're going to walk or how much bad we're going to avoid. There's no end to it. I can't remember the numbers, but I've read some places how many, if you put it this way, rules that are given in the Old Testament law and how many more the Pharisees had added to that and Christ told them it's of no use. It's of no value in the eyes of God. And that hasn't changed till today. What we can offer God, if it is something besides what Christ has done, is of no use for our salvation. But as Christians we have that peace and joy and freedom that comes in trusting what Christ has done. Let us walk in that each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we humble our hearts and receive the benediction? May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Should we close with 160? (coughs) Is there anybody who's able to have Bible study on Thursday evening? I think I can have it at my place. I think so, so. We'll choose the matter. Last week, it was good that I, anyway, for the week before us, I got
2: sick. We'll plan for seven thirty 30 Thursday evening.
0: So,